We take up the reading from verse 8 through verse 14. Now when I passed by thee, I looked upon thee. Behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee, covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water, yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, shod thee with badger skin, and I girded thee with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments. I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck. I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver and thy raiment was of fine linen, silk, embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and thou wast exceeding beautiful and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put on thee, saith the Lord God. Turn with me, please, in your hymn book. Sing together again, number 300. And 45 before the message, would you stand with me please now? Jesus, hail in front in glory there forever to abide all the heavenly host adore thee seated at thy mother's side therefore sinners thou Be it is for us. 
to give ye bright angelic spirits bring your sweetest noblest ways help to sing our Savior's merits help to chant Emmanuel's praise thank you be seated A gospel worthy of God. I said to you on last week that I'd had a burden for a long time to bring you a gospel message. And so it was that we took up this text in Ezekiel chapter 16 text of scripture that I told you one Bible scholar called this the most terrible possibly the most repellent of all Ezekiel's prophetic utterances and then another said has gone a step further and called it the most painful chapter in all the Bible. We started to take up that painful chapter last week. And I told you that I wanted to bring you a gospel message, but I wanted it to see, I wanted you to see a gospel that is worthy of God. And I gave you three points at the very outset which frame, form a framework more or less for my messaging. Three points, I said, which if a gospel is preached that does not contain at least these three things, it is not a gospel worthy of our God, it is in fact another gospel. Number one, I told you that it must demonstrate. A gospel that is worthy of God must demonstrate to man the total desperate hopelessness of his condition by nature. It must, number two, declare to man the absolute sovereign, independent, divine nature of God, his right, his righteousness to do whatever he will. Any gospel that does not have that element is not the gospel worthy of God. And thirdly, I said that a gospel worthy of God must demand of man, demand of man a total reversal 
of his nature and a change of his life in every part. Any gospel that does not contain that is not a gospel worthy of our God. We saw that admonition in verse 2, the three words in verse 2. Cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And I gave you those Hebrew words and the strict, the strict translation of them. Cause them, God said, stoop down. He would stoop down. To what end? To make the people know. To see, to ascertain by see. Stoop down to make them know what? Their abominations. This was the message for the prophet. And so then I give you the three marks of a gospel that honors God, a gospel worthy of our God. It must begin and I gave it to you last week. I got no further than this. I gave you that first point. That that gospel that honors God must begin with a full, faithful, and unmistakable witness of man's true condition. Undone. Utterly, completely, totally undone. That is not the gospel that will be preached today from multitudes of pulpits. That is not the gospel that will be preached. The gospel that will be preached is one that simply seeks to encourage the sinner to accept the Lord as if there were Anything in him unacceptable. A false gospel it is that's being preached. And so today I move on to give you that second point of a gospel worthy of our God. A gospel of our worthy of our God we find next in this verse 6. After portraying for our hearts and minds. And I said to some of you this week. I didn't really want to leave the message where I left it last week. It was a hard place and a dark place. When we look inside our hearts we see great darkness. And that was a solemn and loathsome picture. Last week of the sinner portrayed to the prophet by inspiration of the Holy Spirit laid out the terrible, desperate, horrible condition of this dead infant thrown out in a field. But that is the picture that must be set for the sinner in a gospel that honors God. But then, then we take up again today. From that scene, 
And we find these words in verse 6. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted. There's that word I translated for you last week. Trodden underfoot is your marginal reading in your King James Bible. Trodden underfoot. I saw you in your blood. Polluted. Trodden underfoot in your own blood. And I said to thee, Live! Yea, I said to thee, When thou wast in thy blood, Live! Oh, says this stooping down God to Israel after laying out what must surely be the most graphic description of the sinner's condition outside of grace, outside of salvation. Surely this is a picture of that sinner, but he says to that sinner, I passed by. And I say to you the second element necessary in a gospel that glorifies God is to portray His absolute, total, sovereign right to do what He will. He could have and would have been righteous to leave this filthy, vile, despicable, dead corpse in the open field to be devoured. He could have, but he sovereignly passed by that way. It was his sovereign right. Many of us who've come from Armenian backgrounds, we remember the argument that was given and came up out of our own hearts and said, but how could it be right for God to leave some sinners in their sin? No, it was the wrong question. How could it be right for God to deliver any sinner out of their sin? How could it be right? It couldn't be right in any other way but this, that Christ has made a substitution for them. Justice would have damned us all to hell. We were damned already. He says in the scriptures, condemned already. But this stooping down God, this stooping down God came and passed by the Hebrew word. And I've said to you that these, this message is meant to be a, a study in words, a word study. The Hebrew word there is literally to cross over and intercept. Hallelujah. What a picture. What a picture. He said, you were in your blood, in the open field, dead and corrupted and corroding. And I crossed over and intercepted you. Hallelujah. What a picture. What a picture. <laughs> oh, I bless the Lord. I can't speak for any of the rest of you. 
But I can speak for me and I can speak for my wife. Oh, listen to me. I can't think of a better way to describe what happened that day. That I came to Christ. I can't think of a better way to say it. Oh, he just crossed over and intersected me. My wife's testimony, all of you heard it. Probably some of you have heard it many times. She was just lost. She looked and acted and dressed and thought like a sinner. But the sweet spirit of God, by his own sovereign right and choice, crossed over and intercepted that sin. He crossed over and intercepted me. We were talking on yesterday. I look back with more maturity now. On that day when I came to Christ there in that little country church in South Carolina. I look back on it now. I told my wife yesterday in hindsight now. I don't know. I, I don't know that there were two, maybe three real Christians in the whole congregation. It was just an old time traditional Baptist church. Just full of folks that had inherited the church and inherited religion. And that's all it was. I don't know if there were more than two or three in the whole building that really knew Christ. And there I was. Oh, I didn't have a mother or daddy praying for me. I didn't have grandparents lifting me up begging God to save me. I didn't have any of that. He just crossed over that day down there in that little church and intercepted me. Hallelujah. Just intercepted me. He said, I passed over. I passed by. And I say, bless his holy name for his sovereign right to pass by. What happened when he crossed over? What happened when he crossed over and intercepted me? What does the text say? He said, I saw thee. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I saw thee. You see, this is not the seeing. This word here, this seeing. This is not the seeing. This is the fruit of his omniscience. He sees everything. That's not what the prophet's talking about. That's not what this gospel is talking about. This is not the seeing of a mere omniscience. This word in the Hebrew literally means to gaze, to perceive with intent. <laughs> hey, glory to God. Brother, he looked at me. He fixed his gaze on me. With an intent. <laughs> Hallelujah for these words. Oh here. Here is sovereignty. On open display. He passed by me. He passed by me. He passed by me. And saw me. I don't particularly like a lot of those old songs we used to sing. I try to stay away from them. 
But boy, there was truth in some of them that my own heart at that time couldn't even begin to fathom. He came to me. <laughs> oh, yes. Dear old Squire Parsons wrote the words, He came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and drew me gently to his side. For today, in his sweet love, I now abide. Oh, he came to me. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died on Calvary. He came to me. Nothing, listen to me now. Nothing could have been more dead than I was. Do you read that description again? Cords not cut. Child's not washed. It's not salted. It's not swaddled. Not only that, there's no eye that'll even pity him and he's thrown out in an open field to be trodden over. There couldn't be a worse situation. There was nothing in me, nothing in me, nothing in me, did you hear me? There was nothing in me that could attract his attention. <laughs> nothing in me when he passed by. Oh, nothing in me. He came to me. I couldn't help him. I wish I'd. Could say this to all my Armenian friends. I do say it to them. I say it to them in every way I can say it to them. But I drive it home to your heart this morning when he passed by that day. You think of the picture, the image that we had in our mind last week. Oh, I couldn't help him. I couldn't help him do it. <laughs> I couldn't attract his attention. Laying out there in that open field, in my blood, I couldn't even attract his attention. I couldn't win his affection. Say, so, oh, what a sad scene. My heart's moved when I look at this precious infant, but not the justice of God. The justice of God sees nothing in it. I couldn't win his affection. Hey, listen. I wasn't even aware of his presence. You think of that infant laying out there in its blood? You think it knew? It didn't know. I wasn't even aware of his presence. And he came to me. He crossed over and intercepted. And what happened? He said, I saw you. And then what does the verse tell us? It tells us he spoke. He spoke. I wasn't even aware of his presence when he came along and he spoke. And what did he say? He said, live. 
One word, Brother John prayed in his prayer a while ago when he said, just one word is all it takes from God. He said, Leo. Oh, oh listen to Ezekiel again. Chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me up in the spirit of the Lord and set me down the midst of a valley which was full of bones. Couldn't be more dead than that. I mean, even the flesh is gone. Dead bones. Caused me to pass by them. Pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. Ezekiel loves this particular scene in his prophecy. And lo, they were very dry. <laughs> and he said, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, thou knowest. Oh, he submitted to his sovereignty. Submitted to his sovereignty. He said, Prophesy to these bones, say to them, O oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord when God speaks. Things live. Amen. When God speaks, things live. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Hallelujah. What happened to this poor infant? He passed by and intercepted it. And when he got there, he saw it. He didn't just take note of it. He gazed upon it with an intent. What was he going to do? He's going to speak to it. What's he going to say? He's going to say, live. The prophet, our God, through the prophet, wanted to emphasize the Emphasize this so he repeated it twice in verse 6. Twice. He said live. I know I'm short on time this morning, but let me just give you a few more words from this text to fill out your gospel understanding of a gospel that's worthy of God. Chapter verse 7. I cause thee to multiply. <laughs> Whoa, I cause thee to multiply the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen green, and thou art come and excellent to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, thy hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked. And bear. Verse 8. Now when I passed by thee. I looked upon thee. Now listen. Listen to these words. Behold. The time. Was a time. Of love. <laughs> Whoo. Yes it was. Yes it was. Time of love. Let me tell you what's wonderful about that word in the Hebrew. It's not in the singular like in your text. It's in the plural. 
that time was a time of loves, plural. <laughs> oh yes, multiplied loves. It was a time of so many loves that I can't even identify them all. And I wouldn't try. But let me just suggest some things to you. It was a love of forgiveness. That day when he passed by and brought life, it was a time of forgiveness. What a love is in forgiveness. It imparts peace, doesn't it? Forgiveness. Those of us that have been married for more than five days, you'll learn by the time you've been married five days the value of forgiveness, the peace that it brings. You're going to need forgiveness. And that day when he crossed over and he intercepted me, I needed forgiveness. Well, that was one of the loves that he had. Forgiveness. Can I just tell you that when I'm asleep, he has a love for me while I'm sleeping? (laughs) I've been meditating somewhat this week on the little prayers that I learned when I'm a little child, thank God for it. My parents didn't teach them to me. But in the church, I picked up here and there those little prayers. And oh, how rich I find them now in my old age. Now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> Bible has a lot to say about sleep. Did you know that? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul will take. Did you know He's got a love for me when I'm sleeping? He's loving me when I'm sleeping. Oh, He's got a love for me when I eat. Another one of them wonderful old prayers. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By the hands we must be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Oh, He's got love for us. We partake of that meal after the service. It's always, we always give thanks. Whoever prays, always give thanks for the Lord's care for our bodily substance. What is that? That's just one of those loves. It's just, he just loves. He just loves me. He just loves to give me food. That's one of those loves. Oh, he loves me when I'm walking. (laughs) Yeah, one day I'm going to walk through a valley called the shadow of death. Thou art with me. He's got love for that. That's one of his loves. He loves me every hour. He loves me every way. Goodness and mercy, the psalmist says, gonna follow me. 
everywhere I go, goodness and mercy is following me. Where'd that come from? His love. Oh, he said, oh, he said, when I found you there and intercepted you and I said to you, live, he said it was a time of loves. It's a time of loves. Yes, it was. Hallelujah. But not only that, he said he spread, I spread my skirt over thee. I found you out there in your blood. And I spread my skirt over you. Oh, I was unswaddled before verse 4, verse 4. I was unswaddled before he intercepted me. But now I'm covered. I've had his skirt spread over me. Hallelujah. Covered by his righteousness. (laughs) Do you remember that wonderful That wonderful words they're given to us. In the book of Ruth. Ruth in chapter 3. Remember this scene. What a beautiful scene. How symbolic it is. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 8 came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she said, answered, I'm Ruth, thine headmaid. Spread, therefore, thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter. For thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than in the, at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest the young women, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. She said, spread your skirt over me. He said, oh yes, I will. Oh, I will. Not only that, I'll give you everything that that symbolizes. I'll give you everything you require. I'll do it for you. Oh, this was a time of love. Multiplied loves. This is a gospel worthy of our God. I was unswaddled before, but not now. Not now. Oh no. No, he's, he spread his mantle. He spread his skirt over me. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 10. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness 
shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. Well, I'm not going to lose this. I'm not going to lose this. He said through the prophet, I spread my skirt over thee and I covered thy nakedness. Hallelujah. Covered in his righteousness. Clothed. I was naked. Now I'm clothed. His righteousness. But look at another word. Verse 9, then washed I thee with water. What a blessed word. There's a lot of words in the Old Testament, the Hebrew. There's a lot of different words used to express this idea. And this matter of washing, there are many washings in the Old Testament economy. But this is a particular word, shotat, in the Hebrew used in verse 9. I wash thee, and the word in this particular place, in this definition means to inundate, to deluge, to drown. (laughs) Hey, glory. He said, I just deluged you. (laughs) I mean, he didn't come. You see, I... I know I can show you now how old I am. We see our young mothers these days get these little wifeys and just wipe a little area on the child. I remember when my grandmother take her handkerchief and lick it and wipe something off of me. (laughs) That's not politically correct today, I guess. But she washed the spots off. That's not the kind of washing here. Oh no. This is a washing where you are just deluged. Drown in it. Hallelujah. Oh, he said, I saw you and I washed you. I drowned you. I deluge you in my Pardon in my mercy, you were inundated with it. Oh, what a blessed thought is this in the New Testament context. I've been washed. You know that song? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb? Hey, I've been, I was in my blood, and now I've been washed in blood. And the blood that washed me, Took the blood that was on me off me. And now I'm white as snow. <laughs> Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18, 19. I won't read it for sake of time. Cleansed by the precious blood of Christ, that verse says. Deluged. But then one other He said in verse 9, Yea, I washed, thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. And then he said, And I anointed thee 
with oil. Oh, yes. Oh, blessed be our God for sending us the Holy Spirit. He said, I washed you in all. I washed you and then I anointed you with oil. That blessed song of Solomon, that beautiful picture of redemption. Chapter 1 and verse 2. He said, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For thy love is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy good ointments. Thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Oh, yes, sir, brother. All I've been anointed with all. Charismatics talk about anointing with all. They're missing it. All they've got, some kind of vegetable oil in a bottle. I'm talking about being anointed with the Holy Spirit of God, that eternal oil. He said, I washed you, and after I washed you, I poured oil on you. Psalm 45 and verse 7, Thou thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Oh, oh, blessed all, blessed all. <laughs> the Holy Spirit of our God. Psalm chapter 61 Psalm chapter 61, I'm sorry, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes. Listen, the oil of joy for mourning. <laughs> Whoa, he's just got oil. Oil. He said, I anointed you with oil. Ezekiel chapter 16. And then he goes on and on. I don't have time today. I'll just wrap it up. All the things he's given us. He goes on. I gave you up. I gave you four. But there's five, six, seven, and eight. All you can go on. All you got to do is read the remaining verses. I washed thee. He said, I clothed thee. I clothed thee. I washed thee. I covered thee, anointed thee. Thou art come to excellent ornaments. But then I give you my third and final point of a gospel that honors God, a gospel worthy of God in this text. This text reveals to us a progressive nature. In her growth. The progressive nature of her growth. I said to you 
that no gospel is a gospel worthy of our God if it does not demand of man a total reversal of his nature and a change that is a renewal of his life in every part. Read our text. And as I read, as I begin to read just verse 10, let your mind go back and remember the image of that dead child laying in the field. Listen to her now. Look at her now. Verse 10. I clothe thee also with broided work and shod thee with badger skin and girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. Oh, I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. And thus wast thou decked with gold and silver and thy raiment was fine linen and silk and broidered work and thou didst eat fine flour and honey and all and thou wast exceeding beautiful and thou didst Prosper into a kingdom. What's he describing? Oh, he's describing where she's moved from and where she is now. Progressively, he's put this on her and this on her and this on her. And as she's grown, and he says earlier, her breasts are now formed and she's becoming beautiful. And he's put all these things on her. And now gold and silver and ornaments. What's he saying? Oh, it's progressive. It's progressive. It's progressive where she's come from to where she is now. Oh, now she's become a beautiful kingdom. Progressively, progressively, she's grown from that open field in her blood to this beautiful creature. Oh, she's beautiful. He says she's perfect. Perfect, he described her. She's perfect. With his comeliness. Oh, he said, I've made her, I've made her perfect with my comeliness. Verse 14, thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I put upon thee. Amen. Here's a gospel worthy of our God. It's a false gospel that allows a sinner to vote for Jesus and then go out unchanged. That's a false gospel. Here's a gospel worthy of our God. Oh, it'll change you from that field in blood to a kingdom. And you'll be beautiful. Comeliness. For a conclusion, I simply want to ask and answer one question. Why would he do this? Why would he do this? Why would he do this? I have a one verse answer for you. 
Matthew eleven twenty six. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Nothing else. Nothing else. It seemed good in his sight. I have no other explanation. I wouldn't even attempt one. There's a gospel out there that says that God does this for sinners because of their innate value. No. He created one world. He can create multiplied worlds. He can create all the worlds He wishes. They'll all be His. When He speaks to them to live. It's His sovereign right it's his sovereign right. And it's in his sovereign power. He speaks and says, Live! And we all know, and Brother John referred to it in his prayer, we all know the power of his speaking. <laughs> oh, when he speaks, 10,000 worlds are created out of nothing. When he speaks, giant rivers are halted and stand up like walls of crystal granite. When he speaks, the whole world can be swallowed up in a deluge. Or a gentle rain can fall on one spot in the desert. When he speaks, the turn, the sky, the sun can be turned back in its course or blotted out completely like the curtain that mantled its rays at Calvary. When he speaks, the paralytic can be made to walk and the dead are raised to life. When he speaks, a single star may be made to point to a little manger in Bethlehem or every star may be doused out in an ocean of oblivion and rolled up like a skull when he speaks. Our brother prayed and well he did. Oh Lord, if you would but speak. He only needs to go by our loved ones and speak one word. Live! They'll be adorned with all of His loves until they are perfect in His comeliness. Oh, here's a gospel. Here's a gospel worthy of our God. Turn with me please in your hymn book and let's stand and sing together. 349, the countless multitude on high who tuned their songs to Jesus' name, all merit of their own deny 
And Jesus' worth alone proclaim. Verse number 3 to 49. Would you stand with me? Thank you. 